podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Crowd cheers. Here's Siddle. He's got Hello everyone, it is episode 92 of Two Slips in a Gully and we are continuing our quest through our nervous 90s. I'm joined by Glenn this evening. How are you, Glenn? I'm good. How are you? I am really good. It is getting nice and beautiful and sunny here in New South Wales. <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah. We're getting close to our own personal cricket season so that... Uh, Trying to get down to the nets and shake up all, yeah. all the rust. The is, nets are crowded right now. I was yeah, say. it's what happens like, when there's construction going on in our town that has sort of <laughs> taken the the biggest cricket net complex that we have out of commission. Is just a mad scramble to yeah. go to all the other ones. Mm. But uh, it's been good. It's been good. It's been good to get out and have a bowl. Um, working on my batting. Our young batting protege that's just recently left our club for greener pastures was giving me a helping hand so maybe i won't be completely useless this year all right i'm not going to be as cocky to say as i deserve a promotion but you know (laughs) maybe i I won't be terrible who who knows who knows uh i don't know how uh well we're gonna go but um you know a promotion from uh from what about seven or eight (laughs) yeah seven or eight yeah Nine, depending on which all-rounder we managed well, to snag as a ring in that game. Considering that we, we have five regulars right now. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying I can bat in the middle order, which is, and also at 11. That's, uh, that's how it works. Yeah. Oh, well. It's the uh, eternal struggle, isn't it? Yes. Uh, as you may have noticed, you've been listening to our more recent episodes. As we've been going through the 90s, we've been sort of doing a shout-out to Michael Slater and Steve Waugh because they are the two most prolific 90-getters in Australian cricket test test cricket history. Slats yeah. famously getting out nine times in the 90s, which is pretty, yeah. pretty good considering he only played 70-odd tests. And Steve yeah. Waugh, who played quite a lot more, got out eight times and also had two not outs. So yeah. between them, they have quite the resume covered. So we're going to go and have a chat about the 92s that they got, just right. briefly. So uh, in 1989, uh, Steve Waugh brought yeah. up on a, a really incredible run. It was over in the uh, the Ashes over there, the 89 Ashes, at Old Trafford, brought up a 92. Right. So Steve Waugh just broken his century duck a couple of tests before uh, and scored 170-odd, yeah. backed it up with 150 at Lords, and the runs kept coming, and this he just missed out on what would have been, what, 300s in four games. Right. With a 92 on the 27th of... July 1989 at Old Trafford. So well done, Tugger, with a 92 there. Mm-hmm. Left some, uh, left some in the shed. You're you're in a purple patch of form right there. Yeah. And then Slats opening the batting for a uh, New Year's Test at his home t- home ground at Sydney against the South Africans. Chipped right. in with a first innings 92. Yep. And, yeah, there's another one, another 100 gone begging. <laughs> well, that must be, like, I remember, I, I've said this before, but I remember watching him live get a 90 at the SCG. So he's, he's got a couple at that ground. <laughs> Was it, <laughs> uh, it didn't happen to be against uh, the South Africans by no, any chance, it wasn't, did it? No, it wasn't. It wasn't that game. It was... Uh, in 2001. Oh, okay. So the West Indies. We I, will... Uh, I did look it up. It was, uh, I think it was... Uh, 
We might use it later on. Well, well you reckon? It was more than 92. <laughs> we'll get – so yeah. later on in the series, you yeah. reckon. So yeah. it would have been an impressive innings, I think, from, from Slats. I mean, that would yeah. have been a 94. Look, it was, like, he was someone that you did enjoy watching bat because he was either going to get out, which is exciting, or he was going to hit, hit some runs, which was exciting. Well, it would have been a really good uh, – the South African attack that would have had um, Fanny de Villiers and yeah. Alan Donald would have been spearheading, mm, spearheading yeah. that side. So. Alan Donald, always the forgotten man. <laughs> uh, Donald was actually the guy that got him on, okay. on, a, on a quick research mission there, bowled him for 92. So eight short of what would have been a great 100 slats. Unlucky. <laughs> if he ever listens to this, he's going to be really uh, annoyed, I think. <laughs> well, just picking on slats. You've got to be used to being the butt of all the 90s jokes by yeah, now, true, surely. true. He's more nineties than blonde, yeah. blonde teat hair and yeah. smash mouth and and sync and I don't, I, I don't know that's more <laughs> early two thousands I think. <laughs> uh, so we've got a bit of a, a cricket extravaganza coming up. The women are taking part in their Big Bash League. It has got underway after the conclusion of the Australia India series. So there've been some some highlights and some and a little bit of lowlights in the series thus far. The World Cup has gotten underway, and there are some cracking storylines coming out of that. And uh, the warm-up matches for all of the the qualified nations are happening. So we'll have a quick look at how Australia has gone in their first warm-up game and what answers that uh, have been asked, you know, you know, what questions have been answered by the mm. makeup of those sides and where we think the term's going to go. And, you know, maybe we'll put our selection cap on and say who we'd have as our game one Eleven. We're gonna yeah. we're gonna do it. We're gonna pick the side. This is what we're gonna do. Walking into game one, uh-huh. and see how close we get to what the selectors are actually thinking. Yeah. All of that good stuff is coming up right after this. Tell everybody in the place to just get out. We'll get clean together, and I'll find me a soapbox where I can shout it. Yeah, I can think of one or two things to say. Ah, yes, surprise. Before we get into the good stuff, uh, we're going to go bust out the soapbox because I just have something I'm going to I'm going to quickly whinge about, get a rant on, and then we'll move on in and out like a, a precision, like a <laughs> predator missile yep, yep. rant and Straight get out of here. And this one is, of course, you know, we've got to be better than this as cricket fans in Australia. We're smarter than this. Mm-hmm. The day that Sean Marsh scored 100, Fox Sports is trolling out the Kenny play in the Ashes. Mm-hmm. Um, Usman Khawaja finally scores 100 for Queensland, and again, he's now a lock for the Ashes now that Pukowski's hurt. And I'm just, we're better than this as a country. Mm-hmm. How do other people not see this? How do people just go through life and aren't the, there are just there's quantifiable data to say why we shouldn't pick Kawaja. And you guys are all choosing to ignore it and I have a no understand I just don't understand why. Yeah. So we're all talking about oh Kawaja's so classy, he scored heaps and heaps of runs uh, at shield level, he's got 30 first class hundreds and he's still got an average of 40 and rah, rah, he should have been dropped. It's one of the top six bats. And I'm like, you know what, if you're going mm-hmm. off that, why do we pick Ponting? He's got a first class <laughs> average of 55. Why don't we pick Bradman? 
He's got a first class hundred and about a like of a first class average around hundred. So your argument is is what's he done for us lately? Well, my <laughs> argument is that you can't just look at his career average and go, well, look at all that. And it's like, how yeah. long has it been since he's done that? Yes, he's in form now. He's he scored a good hundred now, but he was given not out off an absolute howler before marching on to this score. Very impressive. Very impressive. But at test level, he's been found out. And I've got some stats. So his first year he got to test cricket was 2011. He had six matches, average 29. Came back in 2013, played three matches, average 19. Came back in 2015, and this is the year that, well, this year and next year are the years that uh, basically he's been living off. Yeah. So he averaged 126. Yep. On roads against New Zealand. Awesome. Look great. And everything he did. He yeah, was un- I mean, runs still don't call, score themselves. No. That's, that's the argument. He was untouchable in the BBL yeah. as well. He was mm-hmm. phenomenal. This is the guy that we want to see. 2016, 47. 2017, possible, yeah. 28. Okay. 2018, just on 40. 2019, 29. Yeah. Okay. So he's gone massive, massive in 2015. And he scored in that early period, so the, the end of 2015 and the beginning of 2016, yeah. he scored five of his 800s mm-hmm. in about a four, five-month block. Yeah, right. And then he scored at least two more of those 100s in dead rubber games. So we've got one at the SCG and the Ashes where England were already losing 3-0. Series has gone absolute road. Great innings, don't get me wrong, but bit of a cheap 100. And another one. Second innings against Sri Lanka after actually getting himself out really cheaply and in just a silly way at Monica Oval before Curtis Pattinson and Travis Head and um, Joe Burns all played really good innings to set the game up. And then all Kawaja had to do was come out and just bat. No pressure at all. The game was well in hand and gets another one. So of that, the 100 we've got left that's remaining was that uh, um, phenomenal one he scored over in... Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi. Yeah. Which is which is a great. And that it was, it was. We, when we watched that innings, we were like, okay, if Kawaja keeps going like this and shows this kind of grit and determination. Yeah, he was supposed yeah, to become sure. the dude because that was when Warner and Smith were both out. We needed Kawaja then to like, all right, yeah. you've shown us you've got the stuff, but we, uh-huh. need, we need to see it now. And he was too busy worrying about getting out in the nets as opposed to... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And the right. next argument is, oh, we should pick Kawaja to open the batting because he averages 96. Well, he has played seven of his 77 innings yeah. opening the batting. Okay. One or two tests he was actually picked to open the batting. The other yeah. times he's been there as a replacement player, and he's only played two consecutive matches as an opener. As an opener. Uh-huh. He doesn't open in first-class cricket. It's yeah. not as easy as in uh, domestic and in, in um, one day internationals or one day domestic cricket where you can or yeah. the T twenties where he consistently opens. It's not that mm-hmm. easy. If it was that easy, everyone would do it. Mm-hmm. But you can't just go, oh, yeah. But he opens. He opens and averages a hundred. It's been two years, so almost three years yeah. since he opened the batting. And when he opened the batting three years ago, he scored. 31 runs combined over the two innings. And then mm. it was six months before that that he opened. And then that was that was the only time that was in Pakistan, yeah. the famous his famous hundred where he played those two consecutive matches. And then it was nearly a year before that 
So mm. he doesn't consistently open. It's not it's the right It's a small sample zone. size. Um, yeah, and he's got a couple of non-outs, and that'll help your average. And then the other thing I've seen is let's get him in for the Ashes because he does a good job against England. That is also false because the last time that England came out here, yeah. With largely the same so, bowling so attack. not in England. Not, not in England. England. This okay. is in Australia. Right. With largely the same bowling attack that he will face, with the exception of maybe Moe and Alley. Yeah. But Wokes will still be there. Anderson will be there. Brought All these guys were still there. And he averaged 47. And you might go, well, that's not a bad average. 47 is pretty good. Yeah. But before the Sydney test, where they just fed Mason Crane to the Wolves and he got pummeled around by everybody and Kawaja ended up scoring, a, like I said, a cheap... 100 in a game where the pressure was off, the Ashes were won, England were beaten, they just wanted to go home. Yeah. Before that, he was averaging 27. Yeah. So this is a guy who is an incredibly talented player who has cashed in on his massive purple patch that he had. Admittedly, yes, it was, you know, the arguments can be made that there were flat pitches and the opponents weren't so good, and he was genuinely in some amazing form. Mm. But since that point, it's been downhill. If you split his his career in half, so from his halfway point of his career, he's averaged less than 33 mm. as batting at three. And this is a guy that we want to put in to open the batting because he scored 100 in a shield game where <laughs> in, in a climate where everyone's scoring runs in shield at the moment. Yeah. So mm. my rant is, guys, we've got to be better than this. <laughs> We, we've got to be. We've seen what Kawaja... We've had 77 innings of Kawaja, and with the exception of 20 of them, he's been a an average bordering on good batsman. Mm. But the, the truly classy Kawaja that we saw in 2015, that animal is long gone. And at 34, yeah, why waste the spot on him? Yeah. Well... Fine. There's There's got to be young batsmen... Will Pukowski is not actually in that bad of a condition. Um, as much as I hate to say it, maybe Marcus Harris. Marcus Harris is just coming off a very strong county cricket stint. Yeah. Like, it's done. It's over. I think Kawaja even knows it's over. Yeah. Like, let it go. This is a guy that has yeah. gone and gone to yeah, test think, cricket, I and mean, he's going like, to be better. Like you talk about it, you, like I remember that interview. He, he does seem like a lovely person. Oh, he's like <laughs> As, an amazing person. Yeah, yeah. He's got his own podcast. He'll probably uh, he'll probably put in a rebuttal. And he's far more talent. <laughs> he's far more talented than anyone that's ever going to listen to this podcast. Yeah, I'm not denying that he's not a talented batsman, but he's been there. We've tried that, and his average has basically been in free fall. We keep talking about oh, he's averaging over forty. Like four years ago, he was averaging eighty in Australia. And that was coming off the back of that one really big summer. And it's just, he's been skating on through there with just some blips of champagne kawaja. And blips aren't good enough. Yeah. Need, we, we need that consistency. Yeah. We can't just be waiting and waiting and waiting and we get fed that morsel of, of class. Yeah. And then we go through it again. We want lots of class and then morsels of, okay, everyone has a down period. Not yeah. the other way around. Yeah. It's over. Same with Sean Marsh. Let's move on and let's start critiquing some of the young I guys. I can't believe we're still talking about this, to be honest. Neither can I. <laughs> there's someone at Fox Sports trying to keep their careers alive. It's not even that. There's plenty of there's plenty of just regular people in social media that yeah, just steadfastly have Kawaja opening the batting. Ah, I don't know. Like he's an he's an absolute certainty mm-hmm. to play. You have to like, no no <laughs> no. 
No. Someone, yeah, some of them are probably screaming. But he averages a hundred opening the batting. Some people are probably screaming at their phones right now. But yeah, that's our that's where we're drawing our line. I think. It's 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 time to move on and yeah. like with Sean Marsh, appreciate what he's doing for Queensland while yeah. he's in the twilight years. <laughs> hmm. We've seen what Kawaja does at Test level, and mm-hmm. thank you, good career, some really excellent moments, but. We yeah. need to be we need to be building up now, not yeah. clinging on to the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Patrick Sloverball, beautifully bowled. Well, going to go and talk about the women's BBL. So it's uh, got underway just after the conclusion of the women's series against India, um, mm-hmm. and there's been some phenomenal cricket played. Uh, I'm loving the you know I would like to see a little, maybe pushing it further at night, some night games getting to prime time. But it's great that it's sitting out on its own. Yeah, easy access to watch. It's on free to wear a lot of the time as well. Yeah, which is great. They yeah. need to be doing that. Um, all the games are also on Fox Sports, uh, and yeah. they're just a nice. It's been a right for me because I'm not currently working at the moment because <laughs> I'm on parental leave. Yeah. But uh, it would be nice to sneak a few games in at that like seven o'clock time slot. Yeah. Everyone get home from work and get everything mm-hmm. sorted, and bang, the cricket's on. That's what's one of the really endearing things about the Big Bash for the first two <laughs> weeks is that yeah, cricket's on, and then you're like, oh yeah. And then you look around and you're cricket's sort of on. Like, oh, I haven't, haven't walked the dog for a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> um, phenomenal stuff. Uh, probably. I know she's close to your favourite player. Um, she's become yeah. one of mine very quickly. Talia McGrath for the uh, for the strikers. Yeah, she's a great player. Has Hits been the ball so fantastic. well. Fantastic, mm. fantastic. Mm. Just scored a fifty today, I believe, in a, a yeah. match winning effort. Um, she yeah. got a, a quick five forty two uh, against the Thunder and yeah, got three wickets in that game. Like her, her innings construction is really good, and her placement. I, I don't know. She uses her wrists really well to hit the ball. Where she wants it through the offside. She always seems like she has so much time at the crease too. That was one of the big yeah. things uh, when she was playing against the Indians, is especially against the spinners. She just, you know, always seemed to get herself in the right position to find that boundary ball. Whether it was getting right back and then cracking yeah. it over square leg, or getting forward of the ball and using because she's a she's a fairly tall girl yeah. and using those long levers to crash it through the covers. Yeah, uh, yeah, she just really coming out and. Um, and showing that she's going from strength to strength, really, and mm-hmm. coming out being one of the big stars in the in the, in the WBBL. Uh, some of the the Indian team obviously stayed behind to to get a part. Harmanpreet Kaur, Jemima Rodriguez, some of those guys, uh, some of those girls have had to yeah. great games for Renegades. Um, it's been really good to see some genuine, uh, genuinely entertaining cricket. The the Sixers machine has been chugging along like we know they yeah. will. They're star studded. Um, Shafali yeah. Verma got a fifty in one of the games. Mm. Yeah, it's good. It's good to have some internationals getting getting in there. Elise Perry back to her old tricks, two for nine off two overs. <laughs> uh, I believe they played. She's the, been under a lot of criticism. I've got yeah, to say. she was really struggling to, with the swinging ball, like to control it. Yeah, uh, they fell a bit short today. A really, really great game uh, from the stars. Um, Annabelle Sutherland, another girl, had looked really strong as a bowler for the Australian uh, Test and uh, limited oversides. Um, opens the batting, scores a fifty, uh, and then backs it up on the other side with picking up uh, one for twenty-four. Yeah, off her four overs, so she's been playing really well. Um, who else? 
Stella Campbell picking up mm-hmm. Wicked as well, Ashley yeah. Gardner. So there's lots of really great, really great examples. Uh, Rachel Priest from the Hurricanes has hit a B- WBBL century, which was a really fantastic innings to watch. I, I just don't know how people score hundreds and 20 overs. <laughs> it's just it's crazy how it happens. Well, the oh. uh, the fact that she ended up hitting 10 fours and 7 sixes probably had a lot to do with it. Yeah, well, yeah. There's, there's, there's not a lot of runs. There's, there's 82 runs right there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, eighteen doesn't it's, sound so hard. But my, my, my maths is right then. That's right for yeah, forty-two. Right. Yeah, yep, that's yeah. right. Okay. okay. But I would be <laughs> remiss because I I did say that um, the the women's ODIs uh, had some of the finest examples of cricket that I have seen in quite a while. Regardless mm. of regardless of gender, those the two, the second and third ODIs between Australia and you were were. were Pristine cricket. Yeah. There was a game between the Perth Scorchers and the Brisbane Heat uh, a couple of days ago, which was the exact opposite. <laughs> it is arguably the worst game of cricket I've seen in a long while. Of professional cricket? Professional cricket. Oh, <laughs> yeah. let, let, let's quantify there'd pro- it. There'd probably be a few, <laughs> to be honest, there'd probably be a, a, a few unprofessional games that would ri- right, rival yeah. this one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And not, and it was it was the finish of the game. And what is the the incompetence is a hard word, but I'm going to go with it. The the incompetence of the players actually led to it being a really entertaining finish, which is so it'll get talked up as being an entertaining game, but it was really yeah. a a horrid display of cricket skills. So just yeah. to run you through right. it, the Scorchers set uh, 137. Mm-hmm. You know, well, probably would have liked to do a bit better. You know, Beth Mooney got a start and got herself out. Um, there are a few others that Alana King got, you know, a dozen. Um, Sophie Devine only ended up with 19. So they would have felt they left him some runs on the board. Yep. But, uh, and then the Heat came out and Grace Harris scored 41 off 27. Yeah. Um, she was helped out by Georgia Redmayne, Jessica Johnson, all getting starts, relatively quick starts. Um, and it was well in hand. Mm-hmm. And then, and then... <laughs> Uh, at, one point, at one point, the Heat were three for 103 right. in the 14th over, chasing okay. 137. Right. Well in hand. Heat are going to walk home, absolutely mm-hmm. walk home. And then it all unravels. Mm-hmm. They've got and they've got a run rate that is less than a runner ball, significantly less than a runner ball, mm-hmm. and they just keep trying to bomb out to the boundary, smack it over the top, yeah. hit the big sixes and stuff. And they just so keep losing kind of, wickets. Kind of reminiscent of the men in Bangladesh. Yeah, I think. It just, yeah. <laughs> they just came out and went, oh, I've, I've got to go for it. I've got to start hitting. And then uh, Nadine de Klerk, she had a moment right near the end of the game where um, they're, they're running hard because the, the runs are getting away from them and they didn't get it down. She's running for back for two and then she gets sent back and then she just, she just doesn't turn around and go back, doesn't put a bat down, doesn't slide a bat, ends up getting run out, just looking. Right. The, it's just... It was astonishing. It actually, and the thing is, it actually swung so far the other way that the scorches that looked like they were dead and buried, mm. and, and then the heat started choking on their own tongues and getting themselves out. They looked like there's no way the heat could possibly win from here. They're nine wickets down, so they end up yeah, yeah. they end up losing. They were nine for one thirty five at one point. So what's that six for thirty two? They ended up yeah. losing in in six overs. And you're sitting there going, there's no way the heat can pull this out. And then they go and they go and drop two run out chances, a la 
Nathan Lyon at Headingley, right. two run-out chances at the bowler's end, which they take in either of them, they, they win the game to go to a super over. Right. And just looking at the whole thing going, like this is going to probably get talked up as being an exciting example of women's cricket and how great this super over, but it was just <laughs> just an appalling display of like, of, mm. of composure under pressure from, from both sides. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. And the irritating thing about it was had I, I don't feel that there was enough attention played to the lack of execution from both sides. Yeah. You know, the scorchers executing bowling at the death and you know, and taking those runouts and then the, the heat executing a solid batting lineup. And it just made me start thinking and then there were a few other people online that had similar ideas that you know, you know had this been a men's game and there was a mistake of especially the magnitude of dropping two yeah. chances at the non-strikers end, all the commentators would be jumping all over it, uh, analysing it, wondering what went wrong, speculating this, that and the other. The replays would be played ad nauseum. Like, you wouldn't even have enough time for her to put her head in her hands and go, what have I done? What have I done? Before, you know, Fox or Channel 7 had loaded the the replay ready to go if it was a men's game. But there was a very little criticism of what had transpired, despite the fact that for everybody there were some really poor cricket skills showed. So I kind of just hope there isn't this sort of under like under the table message from from the broadcasters that is let's not be too critical of the WBBL. We wanna everything about the WBBL is pretty and happy yeah. and excellent and women's <laughs> cricket is the best and we don't speak of you know we all love the leader. Like, <laughs> We've got to be able to call a spade a spade. Exactly. And, uh, and if it's if the skills are not executed well, we've got to be able to say so. Yeah. Like uh, things um, like criticising them for not bowling 145 kilometres per hour, and that's or ridiculous, not, or yeah. not hitting it over the fence in one go, yeah. or not being able to throw it in from the bound, like things like that. That's unnecessary. Well, they've got criticism. better arms than most. <laughs> most yeah. guys that there are plenty of guys that can't do <laughs> yeah. that either. But yeah. those things aren't things that you need to be critical of. But catching the ball and executing a run out under pressure and bottling it twice. Yeah. That's something that you could talk about going, you know, this is something you need to work on. You can be hypercritical about that because that's, you yeah. know, losing six for 30 when the game is basically won, mm. like to the point where everyone off there is taking, you know, they're getting into their yeah, street so clothes and, yeah, and getting rid. And, yeah. like, and it was. You shouldn't lose games needing 30 yeah. or to win in in the situation they were in, those things that you, you need to, you almost need to start criticising that because it needs to be highlighted that you're not. Yeah, exactly. That, you're, you're not achieving these things. and You need yeah. to be better. Well, if yeah, I mean, if, criticism done in the in the right way is actually is the only way that you grow. Right. You can't. Well, if you don't criticise it, it's sort of like oh, well, we don't expect anything better. And, you know. <laughs> and I think what because um, there's been a staggering like response to the. The, the TV, there's been hundreds of thousands of viewers over the course of some of these games. So from the highest viewee, uh, viewership rates on yeah. free-to-air women's cricket yeah. ever. I think we're at the point now where if women's cricket is ingrained enough in the Australian culture that you can start now not taking it for granted and not just looking at it as a gimmick and it's now yeah. it's now, it's now BB, WBBL time. Yeah. And getting into it, same as it's now rugby league time, it's now cricket time, it's now AFL time, it's now WBBL time. It's almost we're getting to the point where it's 
an expectation. We're ready for this. We're ready for the WWBL. It's going to be on the TVs. And it now needs to start being treated as its own sport, as its and mm. uh, along with that, with, with it, the analysis, and analysis, and criticisms, and celebrating all the good stuff. But yeah. you know, call, <laughs> when there's a clanger, calling out the clangers when they're clangers, <laughs> putting the highlight reels of the girls stuffing it up, and yeah. you know, the the back page on Fox Sports is a great one. That show is basically a blooper reel for however long that they they have a segment which is just. Me- male professional sports people stuffing up. Like, I don't say that you need to have one of those for the women's game, but, yeah. you know, it's getting to the point now where it's standing on its own two feet. And part yeah. of that is, you know, not a protected species anymore. And part of being a professional sportsman in Australia is sometimes that you are subject to a little bit of ridicule when you stuff up. <laughs> so, well, you're allowed to laugh it off as well. That's what most, most of the guys do. Yeah, and, and yeah. I think, yeah, I, I really hope that it was just sort of, a bit of shock, and, and maybe because I don't really rate guys like Brad Hodge as a commentator. They possibly didn't have the the best yeah. commentary team. And Lisa Stalaker, I, I will admit, Lisa Stalaker did call it out. Yeah. But like I said, that's even more mm. damning because you had Lisa Stalaker going, oh, this wasn't very good. Yeah. But there was no follow-up from any of the other commentators. There was no footage really provided. Yeah, to, to well, look at. yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a hard one because um, you know, being a media personality, but yeah, being a man and then criticizing women, I suppose. It's a dicey cricket move. He's yeah, a cricket it's a, commentator. It's a dicey like, career move. Yeah. So I, I hope that it was just the case that there was yeah. some commentators that probably aren't the most skilled commentators. Yeah. In likes of Brad Hodge and people like that, and just sort of missing the boat as opposed to this sort of tap on the shoulder going, look, let's just be nice. Let's not say anything too mean. <laughs> yeah. But but largely, the, the tournament's been fantastic. It's great having cricket on. And like I said, there's been some there, – there is a definite talent gap between the very best of that tournament and the mm. the, the lower-level players, the, play, the entry-level players of that one. So um, it, it's yeah. only understandable. Um, mm. that there would be a far greater – Yeah, true. There's a, there's a bigger – Divide yeah. between yeah. – you're not looking at the best 22 players in the world. You're looking at the best sort of 60 or 70, uh, oh, actually more like 100. And, and I think because without sounding you know, too sexist is that uh, men's cricket being the fact that there has been far more development mm. for young young boys coming through the system, Yeah, there's um, a higher standard, I suppose, to get when you're playing at a first-class level. Mm. All of the players are at a certain level. Like they're all going to be at least this good. Yeah. Whereas when you're getting down there, the that standard is a little more broadened because they want to get as many female cricketers in and playing the sport. Yeah, they're still developing. So they're still developing the the grassroots there. So yeah. they're yeah they're at a the the uh, the bottom acceptable standard to get into the WBBL yeah. is a bit lower than what would be the bottom acceptable standard to get into the, the Big Bash, yeah. which is something that's only going to correct itself given time. And yeah. you can already see that it's making massive strides to do that. There are some mm. absolutely phenomenal young girls playing there. Like, you know, you've got all the big megastars coming through and then you've got, you know, um, Phoebe Litchfield for the Thunder, who's, what, I think she turned 17 this year. and <laughs> Still studying. <laughs> still studying and yeah. she's, you know, fantastic. Hannah Darlington, who was on debut, what, 19, she's captaining. Yeah, that thunder side. That's um, that's phenomenal, phenomenal. Yeah. So, so ending on a positive note there. Yeah, <laughs> well, I don't want. To, I hope it doesn't come across as too negative. But it was. It was some really. Yeah. Uh, from, from all the shout outs I gave the the, the one day internationals to being just picturesque cricket. 
the yeah that that heat scorches game was anything but. And I was ripping my hair out, going, "These are just some woeful mistakes." But yeah. on all, it's a great tournament. I'm, I'm loving this sort of time frame. It's it's just sort of extending cricket season a bit because it's sort of starting right about right on when football season would be finishing. And there's yeah, yeah. they've monopolised the uh, that gap the between gap. Yeah. between NRL and yeah. The nines, nine summer of cricket. Well, yeah, they've yeah. now got in there, and it's great. I'm loving it, yeah. and I hope to see far, far more of it. Go on, straight down the throat of first slip. So I thought it finished with uh, the World Cup. World Cup's underway, not for the the top eight sides, but the um, the preliminary games have commenced. You know, the guys like Oman and yeah. Bangladesh, and these are always Wales. entertaining. <laughs> so. Um, and I've been stuck in watching them. That's been great, great fun. The first game I watched was between uh, Papua New Guinea and uh, Oman, which was a, a pretty entertaining start. I yeah. think um, it's going to be a very interesting pub trivia stat that Papua New Guinea, uh, I think, will be the first team in cricket history for their first ICC World Cup runs to be scored by their number four. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, they lost... Uh, they two wicket. I think they were two for one, but it was off an extra. So their first run off the bat in a World Cup came at number four, which is yeah. There you go. Right. Some interesting trivia. Uh, they were unfortunately thoroughly outplayed by by Oman. By Oman. Uh, Oman looked really good. They had a couple of bowlers um, up front that were swinging the ball quite mm-hmm. a lot, and they were left armers. That bodes well for for Mitchell Stark. That there is a bit of swing with the white ball over in those conditions. So he. Uh, yeah, needs to get his skates on. There, mm-hmm. there was a bit of a stand in the in the middle, uh, which was a pretty impressive from Papua New Guinea to sort of make it a little bit, uh, you know, you know, make a little bit of a challenge for him. Asad Bala, their captain, uh, scored fifty six off forty three, looked really good, and then Charles Amini, um, dead set. I think the closest seeing the Sanath Jayasuri I've seen since he retired. Look, just the way he. Held himself at the crease and the way he played shots. Very impressive young man. Uh, yeah. Got himself run out for 37. <laughs> right. Um, and it was yeah. it was quite, especially considering the start that uh, Oman got. They knocked over the two openers for Ducks. And, you know, there was a lot of pressure on. Had to rebuild the innings. Yeah. Um, looking good. Uh, and then, unfortunately, once Amini got out, Vala followed not long after. And then, yeah, the whole innings just sort of fell in a heap. And then Oman chased it down relatively untroubled. Akib Ilyas, 50 or 43, and Jatinder Singh uh, was very impressive. Uh, played some very impressive strokes on his way to 73, not out. They won yeah. 10 wickets in hand. Okay. Well, that's uh, two uh, developing cricket nations there. I think the uh, the game of the tournament has already happened as well, mind you. Right. So um, Scotland took on Bangladesh. Now, Bangladesh, <laughs> everyone would be thinking you'd be just walking through this. It's just a, a formality for them to qualify because they're, they're a very talented uh, yeah. talented side. And it looks but like, never underrate a Scotsman. Yeah, well... <laughs> <laughs> they were they were six for fifty three at one point, so it certainly looked right. like it was holding true. Bangladesh were just going to walk all over the top of them, mm-hmm. and then they managed to uh, some really great va- uh, rear guard hitting from uh, Chris Greaves, forty five of twenty eight. Mark Watt twenty two off seventeen got themselves to uh, one hundred and forty, and they defended it. Mm. They defended it. Mm. Seven for one thirty-four. Bangladesh were in reply. You're just not expecting that kind of attack, but it's it's very Scottish. The sneak attack from the lower order. 
Um. <laughs> um, and like so, they they were one for eight, two for eighteen, three for sixty five, four for seventy four, five for one hundred six, six for one ten, seven for one. So they just yeah. kept nipping did, away and taking. Did someone play the and... theme from Braveheart? <laughs> oh, maybe. sorry, they have to surely. <laughs> um, got yeah, out, just... got out the bagpipe. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, that's enough. That's enough. But yeah, they just had found a way of just taking wickets when they needed to and just kept everything under control. And yeah, they ended up sneaking away with a win. Yeah. And then the other one, I don't know if it's about the best game, but it's certainly probably the moment of the World Cup. And right. it's still very early. Was uh, Ireland taking on the Netherlands? Mm-hmm. And uh, Curtis Camphor, who has uh, come over, for, he was a South, born, you know, South African born, but come over and naturalised as an Irishman, double hat trick. Four wickets in four balls. Right. Just gutted the Netherlands and just swayed the game from there. Mm. He had to have two of them overturned on re- on review. Mm. Uh, there was a each dirty strangle down leg side, which he got lucky with, and then right. um, two LBWs that had to review to get them and then a big yeah. filthy chop on. Do they do they call that a double hat-trick still? Or, yeah. Yeah, there's like um, you know four and four balls. Four, think, yeah, four and four. I think maybe way. people get confused when they when and they think it's six. Yeah, I don't know. For some reason, we were always taught as young kids because it was a very important thing in our life that we had to know that double hat trick only meant four. Yeah, <laughs> actually, in a junior game, in an under sixteens game, um, one of the players that I used to play with, um, his name was Brendan Van Veen. He got four and four balls. Oh, wow. And then the fifth one was dropped in the gully. <laughs> oh, wow. So I almost got a triple hat trick. Yeah. Um, oh. Yeah. I was going to say, it's his shout, but it was juniors, so. Yeah. Uh, he, very... had, he had to go to the vending machine but get the coat. Yeah. Like, yeah. wow. Five and five. <laughs> was it a good catch or was it one that he? Oh, I was low. Yeah, it was low too. It was, it was my mate, Jonathan. Yeah. Um, yeah, he put it down low to his left. So it would have been a screamer, but he got two hands to it. Oh, <laughs> rough. Five and five. Rough. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's been a great start. Some really entertaining cricket played. Uh, Sri Lanka knocked out Namibia as well. Uh, knocked him over for 96 and chased that down fairly effortlessly. And then uh, the other night... Um, Scotland came out 165 uh, against Papua New Guinea. I thought Papua New Guinea played uh, played well in that one to restrict mm. Scotland to 165. Like, yeah, they they kept they kept hanging about, taking wickets, never really let Scotland get away from them at any point. Yeah. Every time it looked like Scotland were going to um, get some momentum and really carry on with it, they sort of managed mm. to peg it back a bit. Uh, and then, unfortunately, their batting let them down again. They ended up getting to 145, but that was through some sort of late order hitting that yeah. once the game was already gone. Yeah. Well, does that mean that Scotland could well be uh, marching on through the, uh, the next phase? I think they are. I think Scotland will be. Mm. Uh, they've already got. They've won two. Well, they've jagged one that you wouldn't have expected. Exactly. Uh, so then they've got to play. <clears throat> they've got to play Oman next. But I think even yeah. if they lose that game, they'll they'll get through because Oman uh, it will come down to net run rate, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Um, but at that point, but they've like mm. they would have got a they would have had a fairly comfortable. Yeah, I, I love a surprise spot. team in the in the World Cup. You know, like Afghanistan were probably in in two uh, consecutive fifty over World Cups. Um, the uh, surprise team that you know really pushed some of the, the top-tier nations. Yes, yes. 
Yes, and yeah. well, Al Ireland has been that as well. They've been the side that's um, hmm. come yeah. up with some heroics in the in the World Cup. Yeah, yeah, probably for a lot longer. In fact, in Afghanistan. Uh, and I suppose before we move on to the next bit, so I, I think coming out of that one, you're looking at Bangladesh. I think Bangladesh have got they've got Papua New Guinea next, and you imagine they yeah. they're going to put Papua. <laughs> well, sorry, sorry, yeah. um, I got ahead of myself. Bangladesh did beat Oman. Yeah. Uh, in their most recent game, uh, 153 they scored. Oman, again, played really well. They were all out for 153. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> Oman, again, held up, didn't let them get away, um, yeah. kept taking wickets um, and sort of hanging about. Uh, but, again, they just didn't have the batting class. They uh, Jatinder Singh scored another 40, which was impressive, but yeah. then they just took regular wickets there. Their lower middle order didn't really contribute too much and the game just got out of hand and they ended up being nine down for 127. Right. So that's um, Scotland with two, Bangladesh and Oman with one each. Right. So uh, I would think uh, that Bangladesh will will beat Papua New Guinea and quite handsomely. Yeah. Uh, and they'll need to because it'll probably come down to net run rate and they'll probably be hoping, I would imagine, that Scotland beat yeah. Oman yeah, and that will mean you get Bangladesh, and you'll get mm. Scot- uh, Scotland go through. And in the other pool, uh, there's some interesting games. They've got uh, Sri Lanka and Ireland coming up tonight. Mm. I think that should be a good game. That's going. I think that's going to be a really big game. Um, yeah. I, I still think that uh, Sri Lanka should, and Ireland be the two that go through. Yeah. But the, you can't count on the Netherlands. They've got some talented players there. Uh, Namibia mm. doesn't look like they're quite there. They're going to be the bottom. I don't think they're going to tr- trouble too much. They didn't look yeah. like they were. Really, in any danger of upsetting to, anyone? I need to call up our former captain. He, he played for Namibia. <laughs> yeah. But um, yes, yeah, so I think Ireland, Ireland, and Sri Lanka are odds on to get out of that. But um, yeah, if Ireland get get over Sri Lanka, that, that, that turns that uh, Netherlands game into a must win. Because yeah. you'd imagine that the Netherlands will will probably beat Namibia, and then uh, yeah. you know, the Netherlands have been talking a big game. They're, they they they're, <laughs> they're here to win games. Yeah, they're yeah, not here to make right. up the numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, they have, don't see any reason why they can't knock over Ireland and and, and Sri Lanka. So mm. it's going to be that'll be a big game. So this is a, a really important game for Sri Lanka here because I think I honestly think that you know, Ireland have played a lot of cricket recently. Yeah. I think they're in good form. I think they've got some some really good players there. I think, and the way that Sri Lanka has sort of struggled a bit in recent times. That's it's not as it's not like two thousand and seven Sri Lanka playing Ireland and you're expecting Sri Lanka to to walk all over them. Mm. I'd almost say this is probably even keel. Yeah, I mean Ireland at their kind of um, highest upswing and and Sri Lanka struggling a little bit. Let's be honest. They've, they've got some they've got some good young players in there, but yeah, wouldn't it be a really uncomfortable place to be if Ireland get off to a strong start? I could see Ireland upsetting them, and then especially in the T Twenty form. Yeah, there's more that can happen, and that becomes a huge game against the Netherlands. And like I said, the Netherlands are really keen to get that one. They don't see a reason why they can't win. So, mm. and it'd be a terrible shame for Sri Lanka to not make it through to the. <laughs> the actual World Cup. I mean, I, yeah, exactly. admittedly, I, I don't think they're going to do too much once they get there. Yeah. But they're they're a proud cricketing nation, and to see them fall to the point that they don't even qualify, like they're former winners, mm. and they don't make it to the top twelve teams a few yeah. years later, really shows how far that side has slipped. So hopefully, we're reading into a little too much in Sri Lanka. Uh, are up to the challenge. Yeah. There's not really much of a gauge on where they are after, like, they, they did the job. There's a team that they should have flogged and they flogged them yeah. in Namibia. So it was, mm-hmm. this is going to be a big test for them. And, and I suppose we should move on to, to us. We are we are Australians. We have a very Australian flavour to our uh, 
<laughs> slant. To a, some a might say. A slant, yeah. <laughs> the leaning yeah. tower of two slips in the uh, Yeah, yeah. Um, so well, there's been a lot of talk around what's the Australian side going to look like. What are we going to look like? We've had just a horrible run, horrible run coming into the World Cup with just mm-hmm. disastrous trips to the West Indies and Bangladesh. And so we've played a warm-up game against New Zealand and we've got one more coming up against India. Um, yeah. And there's some, some questions have been answered, I think. Uh, so it's looking like this point that Mitchell Marsh will bat at three with Smith at four. Well, somewhere you'd say this. There's some players that didn't play. Uh, Maxwell didn't play. Cummins didn't play. Yeah. Hazelwood didn't play. Um, so, you know, read into that what you will. But at the moment it's looking like Mitch Marsh and Steve Smith will be at three and four. I really hope, like I hope that it's flipped. But I also hope that... It's not because if you're going into your warm-up games and you're still tinkering with your top four, yeah, like what are you doing? Mm. So if if yeah. if Marsh is coming out at three in this game, yeah, you'd hope to say that that's a sign saying Marsh, you've got the gig. You're batting at three. Right. Smith, you're at four. Like okay, we'll do our teams later, and and I've got um I've got Smith at three personally. Yeah. I think Smith should be at three. But this is the point that you're playing your warm-up games. Your, mm-hmm. your openers yeah, and your three and four largely should be set. You shouldn't be tinkering around too much with, with that. So yeah, we'll, we'll remain to see what happens. That's a big mystery. Um, so it was a game where you know, Daryl Mitchell got to 30-odd and then retired to let other people bat. So that sort of shows how... <laughs> I love the 30 retired. So it sort of shows a little bit how competitive it was at, at certain points. But um, there was some good bowling. Probably still more competitive than that first T20 against um, yeah, yeah. New Zealand where Hamish Marshall came out with that big Afro wig on. Yeah, and then um, <laughs> was that the one where Warney was bowling like Merv Hughes as well? <laughs> McGrath pretended to bowl an underarm ball at the last yeah. ball of his yeah, spell. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, we really didn't take that seriously. This is why we haven't won any World Cups. <laughs> um, so some... Some key points, uh, Mitch Marsh, four overs, none for 53. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how much we can count on him as a genuine bowling option, right? Uh, which at the moment leaves our bowling stocks a bit skinny. So Maxwell's probably going to have to do a big job for Australia because I can't see – I think any over that you get out of Mitch Marsh that hasn't gone the distance, you're going to treat that as a win, not an expectation. And I don't think you can use that – yeah. mentality as your, your genuine fifth bowling option. Marcus Stoinis hasn't bowled in ages. He says that he'll be right from his injury to bowl in this current game that's coming. So that'll be interesting to see. Right. Uh, <laughs> but um, Yeah, he, he's been playing as a specialist batsman for two years or so. Yeah. So he always mm. seems to just have something wrong with him mm. when it comes to big tournaments. He, he, maybe he should just uh, put up the ball. Warnock just can't seem to buy a run over in the UAE. Got an absolute <laughs> screamer of a catch. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be too worried about that one. I mean, that's that's just poor luck. He would have liked. Oh, he'll be keen to get some runs tonight, just yeah. to get that monkey off his back because he got dropped <laughs> from the the Sunrisers Hyderabad in the IPL. Yeah. Um, and then he's coming out here and then he just he sees that happen to him and he's just going, oh, <laughs> That's just not my year. Not my year. Yeah. Uh, Finch, twenty four off nineteen. Didn't look good. Got a start, but wasn't fluent. So hopefully, right. be better for the gallop. Yeah. Um, Smith came out thirty-five off thirty, sort of controlled the innings. Would like to see him go at a a bit of a better clip, but yeah, still better than the ball. Yeah. 
Uh, but we also then had a uh, had a collapse as well, which is what we're we're known the, the for. The token collapse. <laughs> we were three for one fourteen, four for one fourteen, five for one fourteen, six for one fifteen. Right. Three wickets for one run. Mm. Like guys, 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 guys. And um, I was talking about this just before we started this podcast. I, I think it's largely to do with we've got so many players in our side that have to hit boundaries to score runs. Yeah. With the exception of probably Steve Smith. But I think Steve Smith probably errs too far the other way where you probably like him to be able to find the boundary a bit easier. Mm. Um, but he's happy to knock it around and be, you know, eight off eight or eight off six. and Be the, the and builder, just, the worker. But all these other guys, like Mitch Marsh is playing an incredible, like form of his life, absolute purple patch, but he's still very much a guy that, he, he's he's going to bowl it in his arc and he's going to hit a boundary. His arc is mm. just so big at the moment because he's seeing them like watermelons. Yeah. But all of those players, um, Finch, Marsh, Stoinis, Wade, Ager, yeah. you know, Maxwell there's, to a lesser there's extent. There's not a lot of soft much. hands running the ball down to third man, is there? Yeah, all, they're all guys that, that just look to go for the big boundary ball early and – and yet, like that's what happened to Matthew Wade, big sweep. Marcus Soinus was looking pretty composed, and then just basically check drives mm. in the air, straight down, long off throat. Like it was just, mm. yeah. It's it's a question that's uh, when you look at some of the best players in the world. You know, your Azams, your Coley's, your Darwin Milans. They're not all guys that just crash the ball to the boundary every single ball. No. And then that's not how they expect to score their runs. They they can compose in innings. And I think that yeah. the only player who's really consistently balanced the ability to compose in innings and also score boundaries when he needs to has probably been David Warner. And he's just not in that same form anymore. <laughs> um, We've got two openers who aren't in particularly good form. Uh, like so. a, I think Steve Smith is the next closest um, yeah. in terms of that balance between knocking singles around and getting runs and being able to find the boundary. Maxwell yeah. will be the next guy after that, but Maxwell likes to deal with boundaries too. He just gets them in very interesting ways yeah. rather than just trying to heave-ho everything and slog back over the bowler's head and he'll you know, bring out your reverse sweeps and all that. But he's very much he likes to deal with boundaries as well, which is fine to to have, but I just there's so many. Yeah. When when you, you have players that are geared, the way that I'm going to score is to smash it to the boundary, you end up then losing. <laughs> you, either, you either get 200 off 20 overs or you get 120. <laughs> or, or you get these mini batting collapses as teams keep yeah. pushing and pushing. And yeah. you know, Sometimes you just need to – I think that that's why Smith is vital to this team because he's a guy that just mm. can play with a little bit of level head. Like if it's there for him to hit, he'll hit it. But if it's not, he'll find a way to get turn dot balls into ones. Yeah, um, yeah, that's the big thing. Good ball, one. <laughs> um, um, for New Zealand, we can't leave out our cousins across the ditch. Yep. All of their players looking particularly pretty good, Nick. Yeah. Guptill, Mitchell, Williamson, all looked particularly strong. Uh, Nisham finished their innings very well, 31 off oh, 18. I forgot that Jimmy Nisham is still playing 2020. Um, with the ball, had. You know, Jameson was a player that didn't bowl particularly well. Neither did Southie, really. He went the distance. But Santner, three for 22 off four. Bolt, three for, or two for 13 off three. You know, so the, um, Nisham only went at seven and a half and over, but didn't look particularly fluent with the ball. But they look like they've got all the pieces. 
yeah. there, and they should be fairly strong contenders as well. Um, and as for the Australian bowlers, we've spent a lot of time talking about the Australian batsmen. Uh, Kane Richardson did everything he could to get himself into yeah. the, the starting squad, uh, three for 24 off his four overs. Um, yeah. Stark looked dangerous early on with the new ball. Um, I, I swear he nicked someone off, but it, it didn't get the wicket. Um, yeah. And Zamps, you know, two for 17 off four overs. What more could you ask for? Yeah. So, yeah, rounding into shape, you've got Hazelwood to come back into that side, you've got Cummins to come back into that side, you've got Maxwell to come into that side. A few little question marks, but uh, certainly looking a lot better than what it did mm. three months ago. So I suppose we should get down and put our money where our mouths are. If we were the selectors, what would our game one side be? Yep, okay. You go ahead. I'll go ahead. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd like to preface this by if I had my own way, I wouldn't have Aaron Finch in the side. But he is the captain, and he will be picked. So, not picking him is superfluous. It's just yeah, we're just it's speculating. Not happen. It's, uh, we're speculating on a thing that just simply won't happen. Yeah, I would open with Steve Smith in that in that case so to allow uh, Marsh to continue batting at three. But it's not a thing. Fitz yeah. is the captain. He is fit. Going to play. He will play. Yeah. So in that in that regard, Warner and Finch, quite obviously, will be the openers. Yeah. As I said, I would have Steve Smith. Uh, the guy in his 15, 16 innings uh, batting at three for Australia in T20s, average is 40, strike rate of 140. He's second only. He's only behind Coley, Azam, and Milan all time Mm -hmm. for players that batted at three, not just active players, all time. So that includes your De Villiers, your Kevin Petersons, and all that sort of those gun players from the past that have played. Smith is fourth all-time when it comes to average batting at three. So this misconception that he's not really much of a T20 player is a little misguided. I think we look at his overall stats and forget that over half of his international, or almost half of his international career as a T20 player, he's batted seven or lower because we've picked him as a, as a, a, a spin-bowling all-rounder when we thought he yeah. was the next Shane Warne. Mm-hmm. Even when you look at his IPL, uh, yeah. of his nine seasons of IPL, Six of them is average more than 35, and five of them is average more than 39. Right. Um, at a strike rate, a career strike rate touching 130, which, you know, isn't elite, but it's, it's good enough. It's good enough to bat three for Australia. Yeah. Uh, I'd have Marsh at four, fantastic form. You know, there's not a great deal of difference between three and four. Mm. If we lose a couple of wickets early, he, he's in there. Um, Cash in, get him as facing as many balls as we can. He's hitting the ball hard. Great strike rate. He'll he'll do a fine job at four. I'd have Maxwell at five, but with the option that if Finch, Warner, Smith do their jobs, you move him to four. To four. Yeah. Um, Maxwell is the only guy in this team that I think is a genuine finisher that you can really pile on the runs at the back end. Yeah. And it worked well batting in the IPL where he was playing at four and had some time to work with. But there were probably other finishers. They had A.B. de Villiers in that side for Royal Challengers Bangalore. So he had players behind him. And we just don't have that luxury. So I think you've mm. got to sort of split the difference Piling a little. the pressure on Glenn Maxwell again. <laughs> yeah, essentially. But you've got to split the difference yeah. a bit and, and, and play Maxwell where like we've got assortment of players that will do a job hitting the ball hard up front. We don't have many that can do the job at the back end. And I think while we want to get Maxwell facing as many balls as we can, we need to leverage that while playing at the right part of the game. So I think five shouldn't be any lower than five. So five is where I'd have him. Um, I'd then have 
Uh, I'd have Inglis, but from the way the selectors have been going, it's looking like it's going to be Wade batting at six. Yeah. Um, Inglis did a great job hitting those two pressure boundaries in the last over to get us the win. Yeah. I'd have him at six. Similar sort of role that he's been doing, the Scorchers, batting one lower, but again, just yeah. coming out, teeing off from ball one, being positive. I'd have Ashton Agar at seven. Looking like he's a lot more accomplished with the bat. He was talking about that he spent some time working with um, uh, Andre Russell right. around sort of <laughs> um, how he goes about his destructive innings, closing it off. And obviously we're not going to see Ashton Agar bat like Andre Russell because Andre <laughs> Russell could bench press the moon. Yeah. But, he, you know, just that mindset of coming out and being aggressive. And I think, you know, Mac, uh, Agar could, have, could play a couple of important innings with the bat. Getting some nice cameos at the end. Yeah, it's a big position that that seven and, and bowling. Um, then I'd have your bowlers. The bowlers I'd have are Cummins, Stark, Hazelwood, and Zampa. Hmm. I think Richardson. As much as I like Kane Richardson, just just misses out. Yeah, uh, really so, strong I mean, performance. It's almost your your test attack with uh, with Zamps instead of Nathan Lyon. Um, yeah, I suppose you, the, there is a bit of an argument where you could bring in Kane Richardson as a as a specialist T Twenty guy. Um, yeah, but the others, I mean, Josh Hazelwood is is much better than what people think of him as. He, in he just T20. won an he just won an IPL final, and being a fairly prominent player in that uh, yeah um, Chennai side, so he's coming off a pretty uh, a pretty good run of things. Same with and, Maxwell and coming. You see, off you see, you see Mitchell Stark as a as a match winner. Oh well, when when we need we need him to be a match winner, and yeah. we all know that when he when he gets it right, he is a match winner. I wouldn't be locked in though to playing Stark every single game if he's not getting the ball to talk. Yeah, and you know he's messing his lines up early. Like I wouldn't be afraid at all to go with Richardson mm. or other options. But I think first up, first game, Mitchell Stark in theory gives you the best chance of winning a World Cup for the yep. way that he bowls. But I wouldn't be sitting there going, oh, he'll come good. Oh, he'll come good. Oh, he'll come good. If he's not firing, he's not coming out of the gate firing. Yeah. You've got Kane Richardson, who's just done this in New Zealand, who's a, a good side. He's been T20 run, uh, T20, no, for the BBL, been doing a great job there for, for a couple of years now. He's been a part of the system. We know what he's all about. He should get, um, you know, he should enjoy life playing on those, you know, those slow, lower wickets where he, he changes the pace and, and things like that. So, yeah. Personally, bang, Stark, he's a guy that will win your World Cup. Swimming yeah. the ball, Yorkers, all that sort of stuff. If he's not firing early, like, and I'm talking like, I don't even know. I reckon he'd probably have to be looking on song against South Africa. And yeah. if he's in any way under underdone, you know, spraying the ball down leg, bowling full tosses, not hitting his Yorkers, hmm. I, I wouldn't even give him a second game, to be honest. I'd be having, I'd be getting Kane Richardson in there because we just can't afford to hope that Starkey gets it right. Yeah, um, mm. but we've seen what he can do in the 2015 World Cup, the 2019 ODI World Cups. Yeah, this is a guy that is incredibly dangerous with mm. a white ball in his hand. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, so Pat Cummins is a no-brainer in this format. I I don't know. You t- I don't see Pat Cummins play 2020 cricket very often. Um, I think he's the most talented bowler that we've probably got. I mm. think on, and he's pretty handy with the bat. I think yeah. it makes sense for him to be there. But again, like he's a guy that doesn't necessarily have to be a lock and if he's not yeah, he's not firing or, or if the pitches up. are slower, we've got another spin option. 
you'd have, I mean, you'd probably drop agar and, and slide people up. Or, or make adjustments to the batting lineup, I suppose. I suppose possibly the other way you could go. So you're talking about bringing Swepson in. Swepson in, yeah. So the other option you could do if you didn't want to drop, um, let's say you wanted to go real spin heavy and play Agar, is you could have Agar at, All three eight, spinners, yeah. at eight and then, um, so you shave, for example, drop Cummins. Bring yeah. in Stoyness mm. in the middle order and shuffle everyone down one. So six, yeah. and then Inglis goes to seven. Agar goes to eight. You know, Swepson, Zamps, yeah, Cummins, mm. Stark, whatever you like. Yeah, that's that's a good well, way to go with that. That though, strengthens our batting lineup as well, to it, be honest. So. It does. It does. Um, but no, you, you've I'm, also I'm, got off spin from. I'm, um, I'm very scared about the Maxwell. fact that we will be going into a World Cup. We did that a World Cup game with four four overs or sorry eight overs of pace. Yeah. But then, if we needed more pace, we're banking on Mitch Marsh or Stoyness to deliver it. <laughs> who, yeah. Um, you know, Stoyness at the moment can't bowl, and Marsh at the moment shouldn't. <laughs> Basically, yeah. So yeah, so that's so. I'm assuming we're on the same page. You haven't really, you haven't really questioned my eleven or four. Did no, your own. not really. I think the the eleven kind of picks itself. Up. I mean, the really only surprise that you've gone with is is Josh Ingles, um, which I think is a good move. I I like the guy, and you know, it's he's played a lot more middle order twenty twenty than Matty Wade and. Yeah, like Matty Wade has some very impressive domestic T20 stats, but almost all of it is at the top of the order. Yeah. And I think that's something you've got to really take in mind when you're – he was the player of the series, I believe, in the T20s against India, batting at the top of the order. Yeah. I think it's one of those cases that um, I almost think at this point it would be – you would if you were going to play him anywhere, you'd bat him at three. Yeah. But I would have Smith instead of Wade unquestionably at three. Yeah. So – that would be the and that I've marshed before Wade, but he'd have to bat near the top. Yeah. Um. And, and I just don't I don't see him better than the options we've got at the top. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't really play well in the middle. And Inglis is sort of is developing into that sort of player that has shown a bit of ability coming in and just going yeah. bang from ball one. So yeah, like like I said, same with the Finch thing. I think from the way that the that things have been playing out, they gave. Um, Matt Wade the gloves in the warm up game. Yeah, I'd say that the, the writing's on the wall. Matthew Wade will be our our keeper. Yeah, and he batted at five, I think five or six. I imagine he'll shuffle down for Maxwell. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I would have I would have Inglis in there, and like I said, I'd have Smith opening and controlling the innings from the top, and then having Warner slogging, um, Marsh slogging. Maxwell yeah. slogging. Yeah, it gives us a bit. Working di- but that's not going to happen because no. we'll, have, we'll have Finch there. No, yeah. Anyway. Well, we've got... We've covered it. I think we've covered it. It's going to be yeah. good. Some good cricket. I cannot wait for the Ireland-Sri Lanka game. That is on a little bit later on. <laughs> a little bit later on. It's on tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking Just. a little bit in terms of hours, but not days. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, then we'll be... By this weekend, we'll be getting into... Into the big boy tournament, all mm. the all these the, the nations coming through. We have to put the best foot forward, get a ticket to the big game, and then it all starts again for yeah for these nations. And uh, yeah, it, I think it'll be good for some of those, like especially Ireland. I mean, the warm up games are one thing, but you can tell from the the attitude that uh, 
you know, at various points it was played not super competitively, especially yeah. when you've got people retiring and all that sort of stuff. Whereas, you know, Ireland and Sri Lanka and Bangladesh and Scotland, these guys are they're battle tested. They're playing for all the marbles and mm. you know, you know, it doesn't matter you know, in front of crowds, all that sort of stuff. It doesn't matter how you slice it. When you've got a guy, oh, 30, I'm gonna go trundle off now. Mm. It just takes it, it just it waters it down a bit. Like instantly mm. you want to win the game, no doubt. But when you're watching the you know the Kiwi opener hit you around, get to 30 and go, that'll do me. Yeah. You sort of, it just <laughs> takes the edge off a little bit. Yeah. So Yeah, it feels like retiring in junior cricket. I, I, um, I think some of these sides could really, they could throw a spanner in the works. They're coming in full mm. head of steam. Yeah. Battle tested. Yeah, you know, proper games. Proper games. They might, there might be more than one upset. You know, Scotland might not be the only upset for, yeah. for this World Cup. So, yeah, I'm just not a big believer in the Mickey Mouse warm-up game. Like, just play a game and it doesn't count. Yeah, because... You know, like, it's like a friendly, right, in, in soccer. <laughs> um, you know, it's not really friendly. It's uh, it's a game. Yeah, play the game. Yeah. Just play it. Don't... Yeah. If you haven't... if you Like, I suppose at that point he's thinking to himself, I need to get some of the bats on behind me a go heading into the... Slog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In yeah. that case, some slog. Try and get yourself out. Just throw caution to the wind. Um, yeah, yeah. I, mm. I, I completely agree. But I can also see the other side of it too, where they're just trying to get everyone accustomed to the playing mm. conditions. Yeah. But uh, it's going to be a great tournament. Looking forward to it. And then uh, once we get that out of the way, Ashes cricket is after that. But that mm. is for another time. Okay. That'll do us for episode ninety-two. Uh, we'll catch you all. Uh, well, next time will be after Australia's first game, so I'm sure we'll have plenty to say about that. Yep. There'll be more women's BBL. Yeah. There'll be more stories of slats and steam <laughs> in the 90s. Just more picking on them, yep, singling them out. Oh, <laughs> we're just highlighting. A 90s a good score. I'd exactly. I'd take a test 90. <laughs> <laughs> but right. until then, yeah. bye for now. Bye-bye. Over. Sports Social Podcast Network.